Welcome to the X Factor Roping Podcast. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools to get the most out of what you love to do. I'm Pace Freed, the owner of XFactorRoping.com and your host. We want to bring you the best content possible and it would mean so much to us if you would continue to sign up and support XFactorRoping.com. Thank you for listening. Everyone that doesn't quite know Peyton's name yet, he's a young kid, just freshman in college, uh, made it back to the American Finals, played at the U.S. Open this last year, a couple of go-rounds at the BFI with Dustin Bird, and just a, a guy that I've been around a little bit that's really up and coming, and, and I love how he's going about his roping and the process and, and just how he's moving forward with everything. So, Peyton, I appreciate you taking the phone call and just spending a little time with me on the phone. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me, Pace. Well, uh, Peyton, I know it's uh, you're headed, you're right there in Stephenville, Texas. It's got to be pretty dang warm. What, what's the temperature like over there? Man, it's about uh, 99, and uh, it's just straight up sunny. It's a uh, pretty nice, normal, typical humid day over here. Yeah, the humid man. I, I remember being down there one summer, and just it was it was like two o'clock in the morning, and we just got done working some steers, and it was 92 degrees. And, and yes, just, I don't know what the humidity was, but it was enough that I was just, I was done. Yes, sir. <laughs> it too long. Yeah, we try to rope either pretty early or pretty late. It's one of the two. Yeah, man, I understand that. Um, so one thing I think is really interesting, you know, are you a 10 healer or a 9 plus? I'm a 9 plus. 9 plus healer. And uh, are you 19 years old? Yes, sir. So when I was 19 years old, I obviously wasn't as high a number as you, but I, dude, I could not wait to go rodeo. Like I, I went out and pro rodeoed and, and kind of got, got my feet wet a lot and probably, and I got beat up a lot when I was doing it. And what I, I found pretty interesting is, you know, you, how you're going about your roping and how you're putting your horses together and, and going about it. I really like it. I, you know, I've, I know that you've talked to a lot of guys, uh, like Marty and Marty Becker and some other guys about how you're, putting your roping together and your run and, and being ready for different situations. So it's kind of cool because uh, you're, you're down there amateur rodeoing a lot right now, right? Yes, sir. We we go quite a bit down here. I run with Cody McCluskey and uh, I rode calves at him. I rode steers at him and kind of tried to get a little build on a, on my foundation, you know, to try to get pretty seasoned down here before I ever try to do nothing out there. Right. And, and you'll go to the pro rodeos during the winter and stuff a little bit too, and kind of get in the mix there as well. Yes, yeah, sir. Try to get all the all, all the good open jackpots, and uh, I went to a couple of, uh, like not the winter rodeos last year. The pro rodeo was just just a handful of them, and then I just go to go to the amateur rodeos, skip ones in the winter, and then go all of them during the summer. And so, what was the advice given to you on that? On getting going to these amateur rodeos and trying to get behind the you know get a lot of rodeo runs essentially before you just right. come out here and rodeo full-time? Well, uh, honestly, I didn't even start amateur rodeo until I was like 17 years old. Uh, my dad and my mom, uh, they've been pretty uh, protective and, and in a good way. Like, they, they've they never let me fail to any level I've been at. Like, every every level I've ever put myself into, I've been pretty controlled, and I haven't lost, like, in the arena or out of the arena. I've always gained confidence and got, uh, got something out of it, and... Uh, when I was 17 years old, it was when the ERA was starting and everything, and uh, I actually got to rank that summer with Charlie Crawford. That was my first partner ever, and uh, it was it was amazing. Like I got to go with him and Jackie, and I learned so much and had a, had a great time with him. And we didn't go a whole whole lot, but I got to rope him at the house almost every day, and and he sure did help me a lot. And I mean, 
and then me just waiting and being patient out there and looking at my parents, and that, that was my first run. And then last year I wrote to the, another kind of veteran guy, Tommy Edens, and I got to his family, and I learned so much from that family. Uh, I really learned how to enter. Tommy taught me a lot of spears, and man, it was just like every, every level, like I kind of move up a little bit, move up a little bit. And now I got a guy that's got a really lot of game. His name's Cody McCluskey. And he's kind of an amateur team down here in Texas, and he spins steers very fast. And uh, and then like it's just kind of like I'm just kind of building every year, just trying to get one thing accomplished if not another. But I mean, it was a lot of that was uh, my mom and dad's doing. Like they just have really made sure that I have uh, you know kept myself in good situations, good partners, and then get the horses together. And there's a lot of a lot of my buddies, and I you know got the priority on the doing good and you know I kind of you know obviously I want to but I just didn't really feel like I was ready and then of course and then my parents too I mean then supporting me and staying down here I feel like it was a better opportunity for me for staying here for a couple of years and finish school before I do head out up north and try them on. Right. So your first kind of radio partner is Charlie and you guys yes, did the amateur radio. What is one of the what's some of the biggest things you learned from Charlie and just being around him and getting to practice with him? Man, uh, Charlie's very, very. Uh, he's uh, definitely a winner, obviously, but he's the the mental side of it is what he helped me a lot with. I mean, you can never get that guy down. Like we we'd go and I'd miss one and he'd miss one, and then make sure by Saturday night he was fired up, ready to go. And uh, I mean, very. I mean, just. I mean, I, I, I mean, I had just started rodeo and then, so when I missed one, I'd be just plum mad. You know what I mean? I, you know, I just, I've got to, I grew up with this guy and, you know what I mean? I don't want to mess up for him. And then again, but like Charlie made it to where it, he was really easy to heal for. Like he is always on your team and, it, and he made it, he made it really a team event. Like watching the videos, breaking it down, you know, and constructive cr- criticism. And he, but he always helped me so much without ever hurt my confidence. Like he's really, We'd watch a lot of videos. He believes in videos. And, like, you know, there's a lot of guys you can't really watch videos with because, oh, like, they don't want talk about, oh, you need to do this, this, and this for me to catch. And Charlie would be just as hard as on himself as he was me and just kind of picking everything apart. And uh, and just how his practice sessions went, too. Like, you know, we'd pick out a couple of steers and make certain runs, and he'd call out where we're at, you know, where we're at in the open. And, like I mean, and a lot of things about Charlie too is every every steer in the practice didn't mean something. It's not we don't just go practice. He has a setup and a formula for every situation, and you know he'll. I mean, he has a live score for him a lot. I mean, he keeps his horses working good, and I mean, just everything that we do is meaningful and uh, is a purpose and a reasoning to try to get better. And we don't ever just go run steers, and then, and then it transfers to the arena too. Like then we if we draw a certain type of steer, he. We talk about what we're going to go do, and we get a pretty good game plan before we ever do it. We don't just ever just go rope. We try to think about it a little bit and get a, you know, get a pretty good mixture and game plan before we go out there and nod our heads. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, and Charlie, he does such a good job with, just like you said, and it, I think it, his practice and it really has his horses sharp. And that's one thing yeah, I, yeah. I think I noticed about you as well is, you know, you've you've been on some really good horses and. And, and continue to, to be on good ones. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, one story that I've heard that I, I wanted you to talk about was you, you hear a lot of guys that, oh, I can't afford this horse, or if I had that horse, I would do this, or this opportunity, I'd do that. And uh, I know that, you know, a couple of years ago, or I, I think so, I think it was about a couple of years ago, you, you tried a heel horse, and, 
and really couldn't put the money together. And, and can you kind of tell me the story on how uh, how you started? You bought that solo horse and just how that came together for you? Yes, yeah, sir. Well, uh, Jackie Hobbs had this uh, really nice solo mare uh, named Stevie Ray, and uh, it was a really nice mare. And it was something like I needed my rope in. I had a I had two pretty good ones, but I didn't have nothing with quite enough foot speed and quite the really slide and soft and finish. And I felt like it was kind of something I needed because I just started going into open ropings, really. And I guess it was about two years ago. And I talked to Jackie at the U.S. Islands about her, and she gave me a price. And it was a process, I mean, quite a bit, I and mean, what the horses were. And so I told her, you know what I mean, if I if you go ahead and sell her, I understand, but i got to figure out a way to get the money together. And so when I was... Uh, 16 years old in 2014, I had won the U.S. finals on my uh, uncle's uh, mare. And uh, it was a full, she was a full uh, sister to the solo I got. And uh, that was a really nice mare. And he let me just ride her at the U.S. finals. So after the U.S. finals, I won it on her. I bought her. And she's a really nice mare, solid as a rock. And I've won a ton on her jackpot. Down. But this kind of wasn't quite what I needed. And I felt like I needed a horse more like Jackie's horse. So, uh, I uh, tried to. I got a loan for the bank on CDs with of, of the money I had left over from the U.S. finals. And uh, by the time I did get the money to kind of put together for the bank and everything, got a loan, got everything lined out. Uh, Jackie had already sold the horse to Travis Grace, which no big deal. I understood. I couldn't get the money together, and so I just texted CG uh, the next day after bought her. Said, "Hey man, if you ever want to sell the horse, let me know." Well, two weeks go by. He texts me, and I'm just jumping up and down, excited. So I uh, I go get the horse, two miles from my house, go pick up the horse, try her, ride her at one rope and maybe. I didn't even think I threw her at a rope. I threw her at her, practiced in twice, and then I I, I bought her. But uh, I got a loan for the bank and kind of figured it all out, make monthly payments. And then I'd honestly, until the end of the, I think the next year is when I actually just paid her off. I mean, it was kind of a, I think it was a year and a half loan. And uh, when I won't play to the U.S. finals, I put that money in, in a different account bank and it, it's still paying off right now so like you do get credit for it uh, to fill up my credit but I mean she's still not 100% paid off but I mean I got all the money in a little bank account and it's still pulling as we speak so I, I have so I was out of debt that was a pretty big deal I mean I, I was kind of in debt there for a little bit but after I played the U.S. finals I got out of debt and I actually uh, recently and I uh, just sold this horse that, uh, that mare Steely Will Woodson at the beginning of this year during the wildfire time. So he's got her now, and I got a younger horse moving up, so it just kind of worked out. But I definitely did need her. I mean, I won a couple of jackpots on her, and I made the American honor. So, I mean, she definitely has uh, done me a lot of good. Well, too, I think that that was pretty cool because I I feel like the American was uh, obviously you wrote good, and for those people who don't know, you'd won the. U.S. Finals and, and had some big wins, but this one, uh, the run at the American and just how you guys was, uh, getting back in the American, that was kind of the first, uh, first time that I'd really heard your name as far as at the open level and the really high end level at a high jackpot. Yes, sir. And you're, and you're riding that horse and, and that, and that made it really cool to see too because, uh, man, it was, I mean, that's a fast setup over there and you think yeah. you gotta, you gotta be able to, it's a real short arena. That if they use at the stockyards, it's kind of pretty similar to the NFR. Yes, sir. And uh, that's yeah, pretty neat. So, <clears throat> the, with this, everything I hear is real process. And you know, you're you're really having getting this 
set of horses being, you know, not, not be all end all with this horse. Like, hey, if I don't pay this horse off in a certain amount of time or whatever it is, it's the end of the world. It's just right. you continue to work work towards putting more horses together and, and putting yourself in a successful situation as well as setting the foundation for how you rodeo and jackpot and what is some of the, the best advice you've gotten on doing that, on, on being process-oriented and, and setting it up to see that you do have this strong foundation? Right. Well, uh, honestly, I, I mean, it's not all me. Uh, my my dad is very, very businessman smart. Uh, he's, uh, he, he I mean, every every decision or every uh, uh, decision I'm thinking about making or doing, I run it by him and me and him talk about it, and he uh, usually corrects me <laughs> most of the time. But uh, he's very, like I said, they're very businessman smart, and I run all my financial decisions around him. And uh, he's kind of he's kind of my rock. He, uh, like a lot of the, you know, like to say the financial situations, he told me what to do, and I just went and did it. And he told me how to do it, and I went and did it. And, you know, thankful for him that I do get to do that. And like, like I said, still get building credit. And, uh, you know, I was kind of getting broke being in this year, you know, Kind of hit a dry spot, wasn't winning much, and then my young horse was coming along good. So I talked to him. And we, we figured I need I, I need to sell that horse, so I kind of get to restart, you know, and get a kind of more money in the bank. And then I had more money to play with, you know, because I mean it does get kind of a little stressful. But but I mean yes, sir. I mean like you say, um, just I don't know. I just like my like I said, my dad. I mean, just kind of keeps everything to where like I don't get myself in too much of a bind and. That's kind of why I did end up selling that marriage, just so I didn't get in the financial bind. Right. I didn't want to, but I mean, so like I had to do it because it had to kind of you know make things work a little bit until I got back on my feet again. Well, and I think it's a lot of it. You see, that's that's pretty typical on any rodeo guys. You see, they'll kind of roll through some horses and and they right. they kind of move them around so that that they can make moves to get it their horse they're in a better situation or whatever they need to, you know, whatever yeah. they need to do. So. Right. Agreed. Well, man, um, being a young guy, I, I feel, I remember when I was young, I, I would go up and down, especially like the mental side of it. I, I would, I, I had a hard time with that and, and probably still do. But uh, do, do you get nervous or what's the most nervous you've ever been in your career so far? Man, uh, Probably uh, going back to the American, though, that was that was that was kind of a Cinderella year type deal. Uh, that was probably the most nervous I've ever been. It's probably back in AT&T Stadium, and and really honestly, uh, Stockyards too. I mean, uh, the, especially the final round, just to make the American, those two are probably the most uh, I would say mind-boggling and stressful. But uh, also in a way too, a little bit just the BFI and just I mean, I mean all the prestigious events. I mean, they're always gonna. If, if it didn't just make you get a little bit excited, I mean, you don't really love what you're doing, I don't believe. I mean, every year I've been to BFI twice, and I'm just excited and nervous every time I go back. And the U.S. finals the same way. So, I mean, but probably the American was the most, most nerve-wracking because it was in, you know, in Jerry's world over there in Dallas and just all, everything going on. And that was a, that was kind of a Cinderella deal. Yeah, I mean, you've got an opportunity for a life-changing amount and, of money. And, and I can say, not not to mention, you have a chance for a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty. I mean, it's that's a, and that's what's so interesting about being a healer too is, I think that you know, nerves are. But it can be if you get so high, you can so many things can happen. Where a healer's job is to, I feel like they've got to do so much reacting in the run. 
right. really be able to, yeah, I mean, almost like a wide receiver. Sometimes you just got to go to go to a spot or a different – it's just not as consistent as it is for a header where right. they're scoring and, and things like that. So, you know, just recently I know that the, uh, the BFI, you got to rope with Dustin Bird. And, uh, man, I know that that's a – it's probably pretty nerve-wracking. I mean, I know it is because I didn't really sleep the night before the BFI, and I don't think I've ever had a good night's sleep before I roped at the rope in there. But you got you got one of the best headers around. You know, you got Dustin. And, uh, man, you guys had a lot of luck over there. I, I, no good in the average, but ended up placing in two go-rounds, which it's hard to do to place in one go-round, and, and then just one out in another go-round. So yes, sir. what is your mindset when you're when you're going to the BFI and you get a rope with a guy like Dustin? Man, uh, honestly, it, it ended way better than it started off. I mean, I was very excited. I actually... Uh, the, the horse that triggers right now, the gray horse, Yahtzee, I've seen a, his a helper, uh, one of his guys that helps him a lot, Sawyer Barham, ride him in a jackpot, you know, there in Texas. And I've seen the horse, and I was like, I know that's Bird's horse. And so I've seen the horse, and I was like, man, I'm going to, I wonder, I wonder how Bird's quit. I went and talked to him, and he's like, yeah, Bird's done, he's put rodeo on. And I didn't have part of BFI at the time, and I just shot him a text right down there. I just said, hey, man, if you, I'd like to rope with BFI if you don't have to run or whatever. Then he, it just worked out perfect for me. And then I got him at Reno in the BFI. So we roped at Reno the first day. So that kind of – and I've never hardly roped at him before that. It was like maybe three years ago before I even turned in behind him. So – but I've known him forever uh, through Eric because I went and helped him at the time events and stuff. And I just helped him saddle, saddle, take care of horses and stuff. And so I've, I've known him forever. And then finally got the opportunity to rope with him. When I, it was kind of real when we rode in the grand entry deal before the roping and everything. And then the first year – but you're a runner, and he sticks it on him, and I come around there and hit him high. I missed the first year for him, and I was I was so bummed. I worked all week practicing, and then I just kind of sat in the stall in the corner, like I was I was kind of down. Like I didn't want to show my face in public. I ain't gonna lie, I was I was real down. But I kind of caught myself back into it and said, you know, I got a guy that's really good at going fast too, just as good as he is at catching them. So then come back, we won second to go around was five seven. And after that, I could, it was like it was okay. And then with your runner and uh, no good on the third one and the fourth one, we were like the last team out. And uh, we uh, drew a really good steer, and I healed him fast. And we just 4-9, tied for the go-around. And then we had a, another good steer that was tried on a little bit, didn't handle the best, and we was 5-3 on. And, I mean, it was honestly, it was so fun just backing in there, just going not being fast you can every time. But, I mean, once I got that kind of second one out of the way, it was a lot easier, but... I mean, even though we had a pretty good week, on we won about 6,000 just rounds up there. I mean, after that first year, I mean, if you would have told me it was going to go very good, I honestly probably would have believed you because, I mean, it's pretty frustrating when you work all week and prepare yourself and drive that far and you miss the first one. That's, I mean, it was pretty kind of – it was kind of hard to mentally come back and be able to compete, you know what I mean? Oh, man, I, I've been out in the first round a couple of times over there, and it's the longest that – no, oh, I know. It's the longest day of my life. As soon as, as, soon as the, the second round happened and we blew place, it was like, oh, gosh, like all the pressure was released because, you know what I mean, because you finally got money, I mean. And then after yeah. that, it was kind of fun. But like you say, the first one, and I, and I didn't take a bad shot. I just kind of I set my loop in there and just, it just I didn't do a – I just didn't I didn't place a loop that good and the series real wide and I, my loop run through there and I was just like, my gosh, the first one I missed for Dustin Bird of the BFI. So I mean, but it was it got better, thank goodness. But it was 
it was kind of tough to mentally come back from that. Well, man, I understand completely. Um, and, you know, one thing, I remember when we were traveling uh, to an amateur rodeo, I rode to an amateur with <clears throat> Peyton, and we kind of got talking about that, the mental game. And, and you know, you're talking about reading books and, and just studying it. And uh, I know that that's something that you really pay attention to is your mindset and how you work, and, you know, your your belief system and your confidence and things like that. So, I mean, do you consider yourself uh, a confident person? Uh, yes, sir. I, I I do, and uh, I mean, I think if you're not confident in what you do, I mean, I think you're really not going to be able to do it to your full potential. That's what I think, though. Right. How do you work on that on on staying confident and and kind of just being able to believe in yourself? Like, for example, when you miss one for Dustin at the first round at the BFI, I mean, that's that could have been uh, I mean, that, that could be a huge miss in someone's career, and. and and if you weren't ready to come back and heal some more, I mean, you'd have missed two or three more for, right. you know, for money as well. So how, how do you, how, how does, how does you think that works for you as far as being able to to pick yourself right back up and and just believe in what you're doing? Man, a lot of it comes from I feel like the my my uh, confidence comes from practicing. Uh, I, I mean, you know, setting like you know, so like I learned a lot from Charlie and a lot of other good guys, and I practice with them. You know, all week before the VFI, it's first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, short go, and take a callback. And that, that's how I practice the whole week before, um, just setting up scenarios. And then, like you said, and that's how you kind of build your mind and that's how you build your confidence is just, you know, knowing that you can do that. And then a lot of it, and then success, you know, I mean, I get my confidence. You know, if you get a win, you're really confident, you know what I mean? But then also, if you don't do something correctly, I feel like you gotta you got to get confident and, uh, believe the stuff you did correctly, and then the little stuff you did wrong. I mean, I feel like uh, at, at, at my level, you know, I got a pretty good foundation, and you know, I got a couple things I do and I catch every time, and then you know, I can go back and think, all right, well, I didn't do this thing. That I mean, there's like I say, there's five things I do every time I catch a steer. Well, I mean, they all five have to work together, and if I don't do, if I do all of them, but you know, number three, uh, which I didn't, you know face off and place my loop, which I didn't do that, then I'm not going to catch here. So I'll come back and back of my mind, you know, that's, gonna, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. But, I mean, like you say, though, I mean, a lot of it comes to the practice then, and a lot of it comes to success. But, and, and like, you, I mean, I've seen Clover and Cooper miss tears. I've seen, you know, the best guys miss tears. I mean, it just happens. But you just got to be able to believe that you can come back and tear them up, and that's kind of what happened. But, Right. Like I had, to, I, you know, I mean, I did have to kind of talk myself through it and babysit a little bit and be like, all right, hey, I mean, Dustin wanted to pick you if you, he didn't believe in you. You got to believe in yourself because he believed in you. So, so that's kind of yeah, that's how I, how I kind of ride with back a little bit. Right. And you talked about five things that have to work in a run. Is that were you talking about five things that you'll kind of your mind will be focused on at yes, the time in the run? So what is that? Man, I, I just kind of threw a ballpark number out there, but for me, to, I thought like for me to cut here, I mean, one, I got to score because I mean, there I don't have to score as much, but I mean, I got conscientious on the start and on hazing the steer, keeping steer and straight, to set up my header, and two, I try to have a like a real flat open swing, uh, you know, with a good swing speed, and three, just be mindful of my positioning, and I mean, not just like like especially the BFI, like I uh. I watched like all the like it, it was tougher than ever this year. And every single he or that placed the top five, I felt like was very aggressive. Rode the end of it, 
throw their positioning and teed off on them steers. And I don't think there's no such thing as for my level just to catch the steer. Because, I mean, the roping's got so fast. BFI was tougher than it's ever been this year. Because there was about five guys that rope flawless. I mean, it was just tougher than heck. And so I try to ride, you know, to a spot that gives myself a chance to rope pretty quick. And then two, or I guess in the three or four, I try to stay real soft in my upper body, but swing aggressively, but stay soft enough to where I get to place my loop on the ground at the at the correct spot, not just a guy gets tensed up, swings really fast on the faster steers, and then, you know, knocks it in there and either get a leg or it runs through there. And then I guess, and then, but, and then the other one I keep in the back of my head is I really try to keep my feet moving. I feel like that's what, like, guys like Joseph Harrison, I think he's the, he's the best at it. I mean, all his horses work the same every time, no matter if he's on his good bay or a sorrel. I mean, every, they're a green horse. I mean, I've seen ride five-year-old to the rodeo and be 4-4 on him. I mean, he just rides the same position and keeps his feet moving and plays his rope so, so good. And I felt like that's, uh, that's kind of what I try to emulate is just having a good flat swing and keep my feet moving and ride very good aggressive positioning and catching the steer for what he is. Not beat myself. You know, I, I, I for, Everyone listening to that, I, I think that it's so important to understand that, you know, more importantly about the steps, uh, that you know yourself and what you need to do. And what you all talked about right there is the motions and being in the run. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're not outcome. You're not worried about the outcome. You're worried about right. how to feel the steer or how to head the steer. And I think that that's so important because you can go from if it's down and it's not going well and you're not focused on what to do, uh, you know, that's when you start getting those, like, black spots in the run and, the you know, yeah. oh, man, I, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. And if you're focused on the process, it seems like whether you're winning or losing, it, you'll get exactly. consistent performances. So I, I love hearing that. I think that that's really important, and I think that that's cool because I know that you put a lot of effort into that, uh, the mental side of things and how you study it and and being able to to be process oriented like that and, yes, and know what you're going to go do and how you're going to do your job. So that, that's really cool to hear. You nailed it right there. I mean, like I say, like I read in a, with winning in mind by Lanny Basham. It's a book. Actually, that's what he kind of preaches on. It's, it's, a, it's a winning is a process and what you do is a process. It's not. And then, then you do your process for every scenario and every setup. And then, I mean, you know, you might let you open on the first hop or the second hop, but you can make sure be mainly prepared enough and have your horse prepared enough when he does give you that third hop and you're there to catch him, and that saves you placing the rope. And, like, Billy Jack Sabins, I believe, is on the second or third tier of the BFI this year. Sure went down. He just stays swinging. As soon as he gets up, they're eight, and they still win him. They win, what, twenty, thirty thousand for placing the rope and just being really smart yeah. right there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I so think that's, that's a prime example. Just, like you say, uh, making it a process and not beating yourself. And, like you say, not blacking out. Like, you know what I mean? Just... Pulling off, trying to pull off a shot right there instead of just the steer gets up, just healing. Yeah, just playing to to your strengths and your game plan. Uh, so, and also for everyone listening to the book with winning in mind, uh, I I can't really read very good, but I can listen to audiobooks. and I've listened to a lot of audiobooks on the mental game, and I love with winning in mind. Um, it's it's probably my very favorite book that I've ever yes, listened to, or I've I've tried to read my way through it a couple of times, but yeah, I bet I've listened to it over 30 times i mean it's mm-hmm. a, it's a great great book and really can give you a strong foundation for your mental game so i uh, think that's that, pretty cool that book's uh before i went to the, my mom is uh is she's 
she's a winner. She's kind of a she's a she don't rub as much anymore, but she's in the marketing field, and I promise you, she's a fierce competitor in the marketing field. And I said, she told me forever, read this book, read this book, and I kind of was like, you know, whatever. I didn't really want to read the book, and then finally I read the book. And it was before 2014, which is the year I won the uh, U.S. finals, and uh, I read the book three times before I went up there. And I like that was before then. I was the number seven healer, never really placed in any big, big roping really. I mean, I, I mean, I won like some lower number open, so like a 15 was still kind of bigger open for me. And uh, I roped with Corey Smothers and uh, Marty Becker, and me and Marty's first year falls down. And right when I come with it, he just trips and falls down. And they don't, and uh, we got no time. Sure fell down. They, you know, one down, and then me and Smothers. He comes out there and he sends me four steers and we're 28 on four. We're high callback. And I've never been, I've never even placed at a 15 up before, but I told myself, like, just, just read that book. And he says, it's like my, it's, it's like you to do great. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, you know I mean? You put in the work or whatever and it's like you to, no matter what situation, if you're out numbered or outmatched, it's like you to, it's like you to stay positive and do good. And that's how I told myself. You know, I didn't, and inside, I knew I didn't really belong in that. Like, I knew I, I could rope good enough, but inside, I knew I had never won the, the 15 roping before. That was a big roping for me. But, and then I kept on telling myself that, and I'll be dang if we don't be high team back. And then, come back to the short round, I tell myself, you know what I mean, it's like me to finish the course right here. Well, I take the steer's horn, heal the steer, and I lost the rope <laughs> to, to right. win the 15 shootout. And he, and he did a great job, had for all day. And so after that, I was kind of like, you know, gosh, dang. Like, you know, I was, it was kind of a win in a way, just being able to do that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't fish the course. I didn't heal his deer. And then come right back to the next rope and uh, the shootout rope, and I had high callback again, and I had the eighth callback. And I ended up winning the eighth callback, and I roped the leg for Jackie Hobbs to win the 13th shootout as well. And, I mean, I still ended up winning that, but I should have won first and second. Like, I left $124,782 in the table up there. And, uh, so, I mean, it was still, I mean, good week, 150 grand, but just, I, I mean, I do give that book all the credit because before then I wasn't, I always wrote pretty good, but I wasn't that, that, I didn't have that much game and that much confidence until I read that book. Man, and I think that that's it, is it's, you know, sometimes losing can breed losing and winning can breed losing. And if your mind mm-hmm. is not right, um, no. or, you know, you can, you can get in slumps or not be able to stay winning, uh, uh, and I think that that's it. Is to be able to come out of that at that situation. That's that's a hard thing to do. Uh, I know yeah, that those were probably some some of the biggest tears you've ever missed in your life at that point. But then right. to come back and win the Relton, and you know the thing is, is just you, you execute. You've got to execute all day long to get right. there. You know, there's right. 400 teams in those Relpins. It's a grind mm-hmm. all day. Yeah, I mean, both of them five headers back then too. Yeah, yeah. I miss yeah. those days when those are five headers. Those are fun. Yes, yeah, sir. Me too. It's pretty dang cool to to study that and to kind of continue to to work on that because I think that that does give you a lot of a lot of your foundation for your mental game and where it's at today. But yes, know, talk, sir. Well, I, I love to talk about motivation and uh, how how much money did you leave in the arena? One hundred twenty-four thousand seven hundred eighty-two dollars. Do you get motivation from that? Man, I did for a while. I added all up and I got ended up winning about forty-nine thousand, but all right. the west. You know, 124 on the table because I should have won the the 15 and the 13 shootout. I should have won first and second, 13 shootout. I should have won the 15 shootout. That would have been 
that have been Cinderella perfect. But I mean, right. and I set myself up to do it, and then I, I mean, in the end of the day, I did fail twice, but I did hit one out of three, which is lucky enough to still win it. But you know, as good as a week as it was, I mean, it still could have been way better. Well, I think that you you never know. It might it might have won you one hundred twenty some thousand dollars, but that motivation that you got when you came home and got to use it and just if you can harness that and use it in a positive manner it, it might have it might have been way more than that uh for the good so right um hey i know you practice a lot and you had a lot of horses uh, uh can you take me through what is a typical practice week look like for you just uh kind of depending on the the day or whatever but usually i ride uh Either way, I rope rope steers in the morning or I rope them both at evening. Uh, but, I mean, if I rope in the morning, I usually start about 7 o'clock and either have my brother or uh, Cody will come over ahead for me. I have different guys come over ahead for me and we'll start about 7, 7.30. They're in the morning, and I'll usually ride about four head of heel horses, four to five head of heel horses, and then kind of take a break, do chores during the day, mow, whatever we need to do, and, uh, you know, get lunch, whatever. Then about 6 o'clock, it's but usually when I do both events at night, if I do get to team up in the mornings, I will. And then about 6 o'clock is when my dad and my mom, my mom and dad get home with off work about 5.30. And then I have the arena watered, drug, horses caught, and saddled. And as soon as my dad gets up to the barn, we get after it. Either with the rope, if we rope steers that morning, we'll rope the calves strictly. I'll ride about two calf horses and we'll tie for the post. And if not, if we don't team up in the mornings, we'll usually uh, start off. Uh, rope calves about six o'clock, and then we'll get done with calves about eight, and then we'll probably team rope to about ten, ten thirty, and relay. We don't get, I usually don't get to bed during the week about eleven or eleven thirty at night. Right. And then neither do my parents. And they get up at six thirty, get up and every day go to work. So man, with that much practice going on per week, every single day, I mean that's a that's a grinding. That really is. Uh, how do you stay motivated or, you know, kind of craving it like that? Do you set goals or what do you do? Man, uh, obviously, yes, I have, I have goals. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of it too is, is I mean, I don't know. It's, I kind of stay self-motivated because I want to do so good. And, uh, my, I mean, that's kind of my, my I, that's how I kind of make a living is my paycheck depends on it. So I try to put all I can into it. And, uh, and then I try to practice hard all week. And then on the weekends is where I, you know, get to relax a little bit, go to the jackpots, go to the roping, go to the rodeos, and see had my work paid off or not. And then, you know, what I didn't do good or didn't do good or didn't do perfect on the weekends to come back next week and try to, you know, tweak on it during the week. But, uh, and, just, and then just try to, you know, obviously I got long term goals and, uh, you know, I wanted to do good. I wanted, my, one of my goals this year was to, in the amateur rodeos, I wanted to, make the finals in both events and win the all-around, and I'm doing two out of the three of those things right now. So, I mean, that's just little goals I got going on. But, I mean, like you say, I mean, it is grinding during the week, yes, and, it, you know, it does, you know, get, you know, not very much fun. But I try to look at the, you know, look at the rainbow, how to go at the end of the rainbow, what, what the end result would be if I do work at it. Because I feel like, I feel like my healing's, you know, pretty on point and uh, on the right track, but, like, in the cap roving aspect, I feel like I'm a little behind. So, like all the guys that rope good my age, I feel like I'm I'm way behind them. So I try to put honestly a little bit more effort into that. And uh, it's it's kind of hard doing two events. I mean, Trevor obviously I think does it the best. I mean, 
Trevor Tuff, Caleb Schmidt. I mean, those are kind of guys that everybody sees that does really good in the all-around aspect of it. But I feel like I'm, you know, on the right track a little bit. But, I mean, my healing feels feels pretty good. But on the calf, I try to work extra hard at it and make sure I do things correctly. Because I do feel like I am behind in that aspect of the event. Right. And that's what kind of motivates me is, I mean, my calf rope, I know it's not where I want it to be, and it makes me kind of work extra hard at it because I know I'm not as good as everybody else my age at at it. But I'm kind of right there, but not quite. <laughs> that's a lot of work and, and staying after it in the calf rope. And especially, I mean, I, I'm up north in Idaho right now, and it's nowhere near as hot as it is down there and humid. So if you're, if you're tired from the post every day and, and open calves every day as well as riding that many horses in morning and night. That's I mean it's that's a full time job. It's a lot of work and that's that's you know, it's it's cool to, to see that and you know, Peyton, that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to get you on the phone and talk to you about it because I, I there's so many people out there that are working at the rope and they wanna get better and and I think it's it's good to keep it in mind and to know that there's guys like you out there and, and there I mean there's just a ton of young guys that are being really smart about their roping, how they're going, they're proceeding with it, with their horses, financially, how they're putting it together, mentally, physically. I mean, there's a lot of things that they're they're putting into it to, to get to that level. So, man, I I really appreciate it, and I think it's it's really cool to, to hear what you've got going on in your life. I, I, thanks again for you know, taking the time out of your day to spend a little time on the phone. Yes, sir. I appreciate the opportunity, and talking about it. All right, man. Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch. And, uh, you know, we've got we've done a little bit of filming with Hayden and Marty Becker, too. So you guys can check that out on X-Factor's Open as well. 